on episode 487 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, Rachel and I complete our discussion about nutrition for running. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 487. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Naked Nutrition. What does getting naked mean? For supplements, it means no unnecessary additives. It means premium sourced ingredients without fillers, so you don't need to compromise on your diet or your goals. That's what Naked Nutrition offers. Back in 2014, a former college athlete didn't understand why protein powders and other supplements had so many unnatural ingredients. If they're supposed to be health supplements, why can't you understand the ingredient list? Naked Nutrition was started with five single ingredient supplements, including the best-selling Naked Way, which has only one ingredient, whey protein from grass-fed California cows, and the best-selling Naked Pea, a vegan protein made from one ingredient, raw yellow peas grown in the U.S. and Canada. The company has grown to offer over 40 products, but the vision of sourcing the best ingredients, using as few of them as possible, and being transparent so you know exactly what's going into your body is the same today as when the company was founded. Whether you're working towards losing weight, having more energy, or improving your endurance to become a better runner, what you put in your body directly impacts how you feel and the results you get. Naked Nutrition is committed to shortening the steps between their farms and you. Get naked. Visit Naked Nutrition today. It's nutrition with nothing to hide. Use the discount code 40PLUS and get 10% off your first order. NakedNutrition.com Hey, Raz. How are things going? Good. How are you today, Alan? I'm doing okay. Uh, just really, really busy. You know, Tammy got back from uh, her surgery, her knee surgery, and uh-huh. uh, of course, she's overdoing it. And oh no! <laughs> so my ear, my ear hurts. Okay, I guess I'll, oh, no. I'll just say that she, uh, <laughs> you know, oh. she'll she'll do something. You know, she's right on the edge, and she says it doesn't hurt her while she's doing it, and then mm-hmm. she'll be hurting the next day. And so mm-hmm. she was emptying out the. Um, the washing, uh, dishwashing machine this morning, mm-hmm. complaining about her knee. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, we have someone that's coming by to do some cleaning for us today. Don't we? Couldn't they empty the dishwasher? And she's like, yeah, but, um, and I'm like, no, I said, you're, you're doing it. I said, you're doing it. And, uh, she said, well, she doesn't know where to put things. I'm like, don't you have to teach her how to do that? Where to put them? And I was like, you can sit in a chair at the kitchen table and show her where you want everything put. And I, mm-hmm. but you got to train her and you got to get off your feet. And anyway, it's, that's my gripe. And I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, but she always pushes herself just a little too hard, especially after a surgery. Mm-hmm. And I, I get to hear her complain. And then I, you know, of course, being a guy, I want to offer mm-hmm. a solution. The solution is stop, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it's hard. She, she doesn't want to hear it. She's going to no. do it. And so I just, I said, okay, fine. And I'm just 
went on and got back on my computer and started working. <laughs> yeah. I feel, you know, I feel for her. I'm a doer too. It's really hard to sit still and re- it's hard to recover. It's hard for me to take a, a proper rest day. You know, it's just hard sometimes when you're so used to being in motion, it's hard to not be um, in motion. Yeah. Well, you know, when you've had a knee surgery and and we had to pay cash for that yeah. knee surgery and I'm like, I really don't want to have to pay again for another, <laughs> no. another surgery because no. you overdid it. But, um, yeah. So it's like, you know, let's, let's, let's let it heal. Yeah. That's a good plan. Recovery is so important, All right. especially after surgery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, oh. I, every, every single time. It's not like mm-hmm. this is a new thing. This is every single time. I know it's going to happen. I can't keep her from happening. Uh, <laughs> I, think mm-hmm. lo- I think there's laws against restraining someone against their will, uh, yeah. even here in Panama. So, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. right, well, how are things up there? Good, really good. My kids are out of college now, or for now anyway, and we just moved Mikey out of his dorm apartment back to our house. And I get the pleasure of seeing him for two weeks until we move him again. <laughs> he he got an internship this summer with General Motors. So oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, we're really excited. He's super excited and they provide housing. So we'll be moving him over somewhere near Flint. We're not even sure where yet. Um, in a couple of weeks when he gets ready to start his new internship. So, so it'll be nice to see him and hang out as a family for the next couple of weeks. That's cool. Yeah. Take mm-hmm. advantage of every minute of that that you oh, can. Yes, mm, For sure. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the second episode, uh, nutrition for running. Perfect. We're going to take, and we're going to, we're going to have to break up this conversation into uh, basically a sugar burner conversation which will be pretty quick and easy. Uh, and then a keto conversation. Uh, so, because they're two different nutrition strategies, mm-hmm. you yeah. can't do both. No. <laughs> uh, and, you, and if you're a keto, you don't want to switch to a sugar burner. Uh, even if you are metabolically flexible, you just don't want to do that switch for your race. It's going to adversely affect your ability to complete it. Um, and, you're not going to like the results. So, uh, because it's easier, I think it's easier. Uh, if you're a sugar burner, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to get into that conversation first. And so, so Rachel, here I am the sugar burner, the, mm-hmm. you know, we don't mean that in a degrading, terrible way. Nope. It's just, a, it's a fueling strategy. It's a way yep. you can eat, you can survive. And for many people it works. They, they're perfectly healthy eating carbs. They, they, they love carbs, uh, and they're going to utilize those as their fueling strategy for life, not just for the race, but for life. Right, and so right. here I am getting ready for my race. Um, tell me what I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Again, keep that journal out and keep journaling what you're eating on a regular basis. But before um, a workout, it's uh, the RRCA suggests that you eat about 30 to 60 minutes before your workout And for a longer workout, maybe two or three hours before, but certainly don't sacrifice any sleep for that. But they suggest a snack that's low in fat with complex carbohydrates. And I think that's really the key point here is complex carbohydrates and protein. So a lot of runners will have half a bagel with some peanut butter or half a banana with some granola, maybe even a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Those types of things are complex carbs. It has the the wide ranging 
carbs and a little bit of protein to prime your body to get started. And the reason why they suggest half a bagel or half a banana is the volume. So you want to get a nutrient dense snack in the smallest volume as possible to get it in your stomach, get digesting um, as I would prefer an hour or more before you go out on a run so that these nutrients have a chance to get digested, get in your system, and you're not stuck with this huge lump of food in your stomach as you jet out the door to go for a run. Yeah, I think the, I think the key to that is that you want to avoid fat uh, mm-hmm. in that meal only mm-hmm. because you know if, if the blood is in your stomach trying to take care of that digestion and then you're needing it for your legs and for your circulatory system, Mm-hmm. Your body has competing demands. And so you don't want that fat sitting on your stomach as mm-hmm. you try to do the run uh, because you're just not going to handle it very well. Even, even protein, you don't want to go too heavy into protein. You know, she didn't say chicken breast. Uh, you <laughs> <Right>. know, <laughs> yeah. The proteins that you're getting are in uh, the peanut butter and probably some of the grains that are coming out of that bagel. Uh, and so just recognizing that most of what you're going to be bringing in is the, is the carbohydrate. Uh, you don't need the sugar at that point because it just puts sugar in your system. It's going to be gone before you start your race. So mm-hmm. uh, save any, if you're going to do any sugar, that's a during the race thing. So make mm-hmm. these pretty simple meals, low volume, just enough to give you just a little bit of blood sugar going into that race. And it's going to digest moderately slow. Uh, mm-hmm. It's still going to be faster than protein and it'll be faster than fat. And that's what you're kind of aiming at is to basically have your blood sugar at a little bit of a spike as you're starting your race. And then you're going to, you're going to have a good go. And then the glycogen Mm -hmm. stores will kick in and then you can fuel for the race. Yep. Now, back in the day before a big race, it was very common to hit the olive garden and <laughs> yes. All the pasta, please. Yes. Uh, and a car, we would call it carb loading. You know, the, the mm-hmm. premise was that we could, we could bring in all these carbs. And, and then as we, we got the carbs into our system that night, we would just have this overabundance of glycogen to complete our marathon. Um, needless to say, uh, we still bonked if we didn't have a good during the race nutrition strategy. So uh, it was, it should have been abundantly clear to us that we weren't doing any carb loading. We were just, mm-hmm. we were just eating a lot of damn pasta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Carb loading is kind of a myth. And in the sense that, um, it's, it's not the meal the night before the race, that's going to give you a, a perfect race. It's really your nutrition leading up to the race. So consider carb loading the whole week before you're running and, and, and I don't mean go and eat at Olive Garden every night or have a whole ton of pasta or a whole ton of potatoes or, or something like that. What I mean is follow an appropriate, your standard diet, stuff that you would eat all the time. And the night before your race day meal should be something that has complex carbs, a little bit of protein, and, and it sets good in your stomach. And I think that's probably the most important thing is that it digests overnight and it, and it sits well with your stomach so that the next morning you're not woke, waking up with this giant steak in your belly or, um, or heartburn from a super spicy taco night or something like that. You just, it's, it's the night before the race meal should be pleasant and fulfilling, but not, but not so big that you just can't digest it. 
you know, one of the one of the things I think was key, and this is this is probably what was actually only the only good thing about hitting uh, Olive Garden so hard was that. I would, I would sleep like a beast, uh, cause all those carbs <laughs> would hit my system. And I, sure. I mean, just like, just like Thanksgiving <laughs> afternoon, when you hit that, mm-hmm. that food coma, I would sleep really well. Now, you know, any, any time that I didn't have a chance to do the carb up, you know, we were on carb loading at the time, I basically would have all the butterflies and I'd be awake that night worrying about the race. And so that was, uh, maybe if there's one advantage at all, I would just say it's the, yeah, you're going to sleep like a a fiend if you're eating some carbs. So <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, just recognizing that, yeah, sometimes loading a little bit of carbs into your evening meal might help you sleep a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And if a good night's sleep is definitely going to help your performance in the race. So mm-hmm. it's uh, kind of one of those uh, give or take things. Now, to me, really, as a, as a sugar burner, uh, I think it's your, your race strategy that's going to make or break you. I mean, the things mm-hmm. you're eating before leading up to the race, that's great. Uh, and it's it's good to have the good nutrition to have what your body needs, you know, particularly if you're eating to have the electrolytes that you need, those types of things. But it's really when you're in the race that mm-hmm. can make or break you. Can you talk a little bit about as we're doing our running, what we should be looking at with regards to nutrition? Sure. All right. I'm going to throw a whole lot of information at you all at once. <laughs> so, um, huh. okay, a rule of thumb for running. Is that we roughly burn 100 calories a mile, and it's a really rough rule of thumb. Certainly, somebody who's smaller, like my size, um, we burn a few fewer than 100 calories per mile. And um, somebody who runs faster and um, more efficiently won't burn 100 calories per mile either. But let's just use that for a rule of thumb. Secondly, the um, RRCA suggests that the calories that you should replenish is about 25 to 35% per hour. So just because you're burning 100 calories per mile, rule of thumb, does not mean you should be taking in 100 calories per mile. (laughs) You really want far less than that. So for example, if you were to burn 600 calories per hour, you would want to take in about 150 to to 210 calories. And even that, 150 calories per hour, even on on the less end, is a lot is really a lot. And it, not many people can handle that. Not even the elite athletes can handle that. And it's, it's more, more likely that you'll aim for about a hundred, maybe 120 calories per hour, but even then people will tolerate less. And now that's the calorie. Now of those calories, the RRC, RRCA suggests that runners aim for about 30 grams of carbs. Now 30 grams of carbs looks like one banana, two fig newtons or half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, as you can imagine, when you're at mile 15 of a race, I don't think anybody's going to be wanting to take a whole banana or half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the middle of a run. So a lot of the running products out there, the goos, the gels, the chomps, um, they are designed to contain about a hundred calories, give or take per serving. And they all contain between 20 to 30 grams of carbs per serving. So these items were specifically designed for this reason to take in some calories, primarily carbohydrates. Some of these um, also contain some electrolytes 
Some of them also contain caffeine. So that's another thing you'll have to watch for, but that's about what you can get. So if you're burning 600 calories per hour, so for somebody like me, I'm a slow runner. I can get six miles in an hour, a 10 K per hour. So that's, that's 600 calories per hour. I could eat maybe one goo or one gel per hour. So for me, my race strategy is to, is to eat something on the hour. But again, that's really highly individual and it's really subjected to um, how you're feeling, how your stomach's going to tolerate this food and, and then what food you want to take in. Yeah. Now, now one of the things I'd put out there that you want to keep in mind is that, um, the blood in your body is, is going to be focused and concentrated on the performance of the race. So this is your cardiovascular system and this, these are your legs to get that fuel to your legs, to get blood and oxygen going, get everything going the way it's supposed to. There's not going to be a lot of blood down in your stomach. And so mm-hmm. the harder you make it for your stomach to have to work, you're, you're taking away. Now, now there's competing priorities as we talked about earlier. So this is probably a good time to drink those calories or at least mm-hmm. take them in a form that is easy to digest versus mm-hmm. say, deciding you're going to eat a bagel. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, right. uh, it's something that's going to be harder for your body to digest is going to slow digestion. You want something that's going to go through you pretty quickly. I'm not, a, if you're trying to lose weight, I, I'll, I'll say this over and over. I'm not a fan of drinking calories. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in a race and you're, you're you know, trying to perform, uh, you want something that's easily digested. So if mm-hmm. you're taking those calories in a liquid form or a gel form, uh, your body's going to be able to digest those without the stomach having to work too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then you'll get the nutrition quickly. It'll go through a lot faster. So uh, that's one thing to take in mind is uh, some things will digest. You'll be able to digest them easier than other things. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, there's just going to be that that limit to how much you can tolerate, which would go back. Yeah. Do what you do and what you think you're going to do in a race, do in your training, Mm -hmm. find something in your, with your training that works. And when you find that thing, that's, that's your golden ticket. That's, that's the approach. That's your plan. And you stick to that plan in your race, you'll be successful. For sure. And my best advice would be to go to a running store and, and go down the aisle of the sports nutrition there and pick up a different piece of running nutrition from each of the name brands there. Uh, And I'll just, there's goo, there's hammer gels, there's spring energy, which uh, spring energy is basically real food uh, pureed down to a gel type form. And each of these different types of gels, they all have different mouthfeels. Like some of them are more like a frosting on a cake. Some of them are more liquid, like a, like a syrupy cough syrup. And all of the tastes are, they just run the gamut. You can get coffee flavored, birthday cake flavored, you know, you just, you name it. There's something there for you. (laughs) Exactly. There's something for you. So flip them on the back and look at all the nutrition information. Look at the calories, look at the carbs, look at um, what their advice is for um, how often you should should take them in training, and just just buy a whole bunch of them and try them all in training, and try and try try and limit it to you know one brand per training run. So at least you have an idea. If you get an upset stomach, you know which brand is is to be blamed. But um, but try them in training, and it's important that when you're training for a half marathon, a full marathon, or even these ultra marathons. 
how your stomach reacts at mile six is not going to be the same as how your stomach reacts at mile 16 or mile 26. So what tastes good in the early miles may not taste good or feel good in the late miles. So it's really good to try all of these different things and have them all at, at your disposal on race day. So as you get to these mile markers, mile six, mile 16, mile 26, you have an intuitive feeling as to, can I eat this chocolate cake goo or should I be having the strawberry flavored goo? And and similarly, you want to pair them with water. Otherwise you'll get that sugar bomb that I've talked about before and and have all of these different options and, and just be intuitive to how you are feeling and what is the best thing that you think you should take at that moment. All right. Now, Rachel, I'm looking at your notes on the after running and I don't see that post-race beer that I know you and Michael do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend the post-race beer. <laughs> yeah. No, sadly, while I do count it as a carb, it's it's not uh, it's not on a good uh, nutritional uh, post-race um, suggestion, but. Again, you should be eating a snack with some carbs and some protein about 30 minutes uh, right after your race. And again, maybe a couple hours after your race or with your next normal meal. But even here, the science is very, um, very shady. You know, just as soon as you finish a race, it would be important to hydrate for sure. Again, that would be the first priority is to drink some water, um, see how you're feeling, maybe some electrolytes if you feel like you need that, and then have some sort of a snack. And your stomach isn't going to say, tick tock, tick tock, it's 30 minutes, I need to have some food. You know, you just do what you can with what you got. And um, whatever you can, um, a little bit of carbs will replenish your energy, but it's the protein that's really important after a race. You just went through this whole half marathon, full marathon. You just put your body through the ringer and your muscles really need to rebuild. And protein is the building block for that. Yeah. And, and one of the things uh, that I would put there is, is make sure that you plan some time after the race. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to do an inventory of yourself. Um, a lot of people will go through the race with an expectation. As soon as the race is over, they're going to hop in a car and go home. And I would say, don't do that. Um, but you don't necessarily have to go to all the tents and try all the different uh, uh, foods and stuff that they're, they're offering either uh, if it doesn't fit your nutrition plan. But there's an aid tent there. And so just kind of taking an inventory of how you're feeling, is anything out of whack, knowing yourself and saying, okay, Uh, I've stabilized my heart rates down. I'm not sweating anymore. I'm properly hydrated. Um, I was able to get a little bit of of post-race nutrition in without any problems. And I feel okay. Uh, Give yourself some time after the race to actually do that. Don't don't Mm. set yourself up on a plan of, okay, finish the race and and leave. Um, Only because, again, the medical facilities are right there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's masseuses and, and, and other care professionals there. Um, so just realize that's all there ready for you. Uh, and don't be in such a hurry to get out of there because, um, you really want to make sure you check yourself at the end of a race. You've just pushed yourself really hard Absolutely. Um, and making sure that your hydration and nutrition is there, that you're feeling okay. Um, and the longer training runs are going to give you kind of that basis to know how hard you've pushed yourself relative. And, and in a race, I promise you've pushed yourself harder than you did on any training run you ever did mm-hmm. because the adrenaline was there. 
and you ran faster probably than you intended to initially, uh, but you finished this race and you probably didn't train for, you didn't train that long for the most mm-hmm. part. Most of us don't, but just recognizing you need to take an inventory and be ready to take care of yourself there at the end of the race uh, before you decide you're going to get in a car and drive away. For sure. That's great advice. Yep. Definitely walk it off at the very least, hydrate while you're standing there. And um, one of the best uh, post-race snacks that I ever had were grapes. And I hate grapes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely hate grapes. I would never eat them for any reason, even before I was keto. But after a particularly grueling half marathon, it was actually life-saving. The grapes and the oranges, and I even ate half a banana, which I also hate bananas. But uh, yeah, it was life-saving at the end of that race. That's weird. They're not it like is. bananas, but um, <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> no. I can understand the grapes, but um, yeah. I'm sorry, you lose me on the bananas. Because <laughs> you know, as a keto guy, uh, that's kind of if I miss anything, it's it's bananas. Um, really? Because I just yeah, I don't eat bananas because I don't really eat any tropical fruit mm. uh, when I'm in ketosis, so I don't eat bananas. Or th- th- that's what this what this was all a banana plantation, a chiquita <laughs> plantation. And oh my gosh. So yeah, bananas are, are here and I, I don't eat any of them or, or the mangoes. So it's just kind of the oddity. This episode of the 40 plus fitness podcast is sponsored by Naked Nutrition. What does getting naked mean? For supplements, it means no unnecessary additives. It means premium sourced ingredients without fillers. So you don't need to compromise on your diet or your goals. That's what Naked Nutrition offers. Back in 2014, a former college athlete didn't understand why protein powders and other supplements had so many unnatural ingredients. If they're supposed to be health supplements, why can't you understand the ingredient list? Naked Nutrition was started with five single-ingredient supplements, including the best-selling Naked Whey, which has only one ingredient, whey protein from grass-fed California cows, and the best-selling Naked Pea, a vegan protein made from one ingredient, raw yellow peas grown in the U.S. and Canada. The company has grown to offer over 40 products, but the vision of sourcing the best ingredients, using as few of them as possible, and being transparent so you know exactly what's going into your body is the same today as when the company was founded. Whether you're working towards losing weight, having more energy, or improving your endurance to become a better runner, What you put in your body directly impacts how you feel and the results you get. Naked Nutrition is committed to shortening the steps between their farms and you. Get naked. Visit Naked Nutrition today. It's nutrition with nothing to hide. Use the discount code 40PLUS and get 10% off your first order. NakedNutrition.com All right. So again, if you have, if you're, a car burner and that's, that's your nutrition strategy. And you have any questions about this, uh, please do come to the Facebook group at 40 plus fitness podcast.com forward slash group. And Rachel and I will be there to answer any and all questions that you have regarding nutrition as mm-hmm. a car burner. For sure. I've done it. I've got snacks. <laughs> I've, I've done it too. Uh, all right. Now, but now where Rachel and I are, t- are today now, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even vaguely consider myself a an endurance athlete. I, I like to walk and I walk long distances and it's very slow. And so I guess you could say, yeah, if I'm going to do a sure. 14, 14 mile walk, that's 
that's, that's endurance. endurance. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And, you know, it's just very, very slow. So that's four hours uh, of me being alone in the jungle. And I like that, but we're keto. And mm-hmm. so that puts us in a very different place with regards to the way that we would fuel. I'm good for a four hour walk with no nutrition. Mm-hmm. Now I do hydrate a little, but I, I don't worry about nutrition on anything like that. And, and now if I were doing a marathon, I probably would need some form because I'm moving faster. I'm obviously going to go through fluids faster. I'm going to go through glycogen faster, but for something like 14 miles and particularly walking, um, I don't need a fueling strategy. I can do all of that fasted, but let's go back to the beginning and let's mm-hmm. talk about what someone who's yeah. keto adapted should be doing pre-race bef- before the race. What, 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 what should their fueling strategy be? Similarly, it would be eat what you normally eat and take a journal of what you're eating on a regular basis. And right before race day, I I can't think of any particular reason to have a particular meal or a particular set of carbs or I mean, uh, macros, um, the night before race day at this point, you eat, you eat how you normally eat and your body is fueled how it would normally be fueled. Even, even on a run, I don't feel the need to eat any more than I normally do or any particular, um, protein or fat or anything like that. Yeah. I know when I, when I did my tough mutter, uh, and I was in keto when I did that and it's 12 and a half miles. And so I took about three and a half hours. So about mm-hmm. probably about the equivalent effort of a marathon. I, I, I guess I'd put that in that realm, uh, although it was full body and it was not just the legs. Yeah. Um, I had eggs and bacon an hour and a half before <laughs> the race. Uh, it was at Huddle House, which is horrible. But uh, And they thought it was just really weird that I walked in and I said, can I get four eggs and two orders of bacon? And they're like, okay, well, what about the <laughs> what about the biscuit? I'm like, nope. What about the home fries? Nope. Like, so just bacon and eggs. I'm like, yep. yep. <laughs> and, but that was about, that was about an hour and a half before I was due to start the race. And so mm-hmm. we, one, we had to get to parking and get to, so that was, you know, right. Literally eight. And then we showed up on the property and uh, had to get to the actual start and then wait my, for my start time. But that's, that was my fueling strategy was to eat a normal breakfast. Okay. Except it was at Huddle House instead of my own kitchen. But um, <laughs> so yeah, I get that. And and so just just but just as we mentioned before, protein and fat mm-hmm. digest slower. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have like a normal breakfast, just recognize you're going to want to have it well before you start. Because I would not have wanted to go into that race having just eaten that. So if my start time no. was like right then. I probably would have forgone breakfast, but yeah. we had enough time for me to, cause I think our, our start time was like at 1230. So I had time to have a good breakfast and then get to the race. Normally I would have a cup of coffee, just a standard cup of coffee. I don't put any butter or uh, coconut oil or MCT oil or anything in it. I would normally start with a cup of coffee and call that a day and make sure I drink that several hours in advance of starting a run. Having been keto for this long, I, I'd, I just don't want anything in my stomach. And I've made that mistake several times and ended up with heartburn for the duration of the run, which is very distracting. (laughs) So I'd rather have an empty stomach. Okay. So now we're a keto adapted athlete and we're doing the run. Mm -hmm. We still have the same basic limitations that anybody else does. We only have a certain amount of muscle glycogen and liver glycogen. And in some cases, 
there might be a little less of that than the carb fed athlete would have. Mm -hmm. Um, So how are we going to want to fuel, particularly for those times when we know we're going to likely go past what our glycogen stores can do? You know, what's really fascinating about this is that, well, sadly, there's not a lot of science out there. So there's not a whole ton of keto adapted athletes who have a lot of tips or are being studied studied to see um, what types of foods or macros they should be consuming during a race. So it's, again, very largely individualized. But um, I have found success using the noon and the UCAN hydration drinks, uh, electrolyte drinks. They each have um, carbs in them, which um, are... I don't know how you call it, clean carbs. So they're super starches. So it doesn't elicit the same type of uh, glucose response or insulin response as a sugar does, but it just seems to sit well in my stomach and it gives me enough energy to last for uh, at least half a marathon. I I know that I've gone 15 miles without anything other than the um, noon uh, endurance drink, but um, then, then, then if you're going to go longer, then again, it'll be something that's more tailored to how, how your stomach responds. You can have some really great uh, bars. I wouldn't call them granola bars, not necessarily protein bars, but they have some great solid foods that sit well in your stomach and contain some really good sugar, uh, carbohydrates. And, um, there's another product that I like to use. It's it's called F-Bomb, which is a brilliant marketing name. It's a macadamia nut butter with a little bit of MCT oil in it. So it's kind of like eating a goo packet. It's that same type of consistency. And I have also, I actually have put keto versions of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my backpack because I, I wear a hydration pack. And so I have a keto PB&J that I'll bring out if I'm feeling the need. Yeah. Now, if you're doing something really long, here's here's a little tip. Um, if you will cook a, a potato, basically mm-hmm. cook the potato, white potato, and then refrigerate it, it changes the 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 starch in it, and it basically makes it a resistant starch. Mm. And so that's something that wouldn't spike your blood sugar, but would provide a little bit of glycogen over time, much like a super starch would. It'll be cheaper probably than buying some of the, um, the easy products, but, mm-hmm. uh, and it's something it's easy enough, you know, Ziploc bag in your backpack or, you know, in your pocket, if you wanted to have a little something and, you know, uh, you could roll it in some salt and basically have some sodium coming in or potassium coming in with that, uh, with sure. that potato. And, you know, that's not something that's gonna be hard to digest and just something you can kind of nibble on as you go. But in a general sense, uh, I would test your training runs and just see if nutrition during the race is really all that important to you at all. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. uh, I did the tough mudder without any food. Mm-hmm. I drank some water on the way. And then there was one aid station we went to and all they had was Gatorade. They didn't have water. They'd run out of water mm. and they were just doing Gatorade at the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Gatorade. I'm like, nope. <laughs> and then I just kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, you, you might be surprised that your, your ability to, uh, mobilize fat mm-hmm. and because basically ketone bodies, and then there's a glycerol and that glycerol can be converted to glucose. If you, if you need it to, uh, protein can also be turned into, um, 
glucose if you really need it to be. So you might, you know, on a longer run, you might be breaking down a little bit of muscle uh, to, to do this, but just recognize that your body can utilize both protein and fat to create the glycogen you need. And depending on your pace, you're going to be, you're potentially going to be in a fat burning zone for, oh, for sure. a good portion of it and burning body fat as a part of the energy source mm-hmm. for how you're getting where you're going. So yep. fueling during the race might not actually even be a problem for you, but you won't know that unless you try it during your training. Absolutely. Yep. And like I mentioned, I, I know that I've run 15 miles with, with just the electrolyte drink. Um, but I haven't tested that even further. I, I, right now I'm training for a 50 miler. So I want to practice my nutrition early and often. So I'm trying all these different things on every training run, no matter what. So while I know I could probably last longer, um, without having any extra nutrition, I want to test it in training and be prepared for a race day. Okay. Now, obviously, because we're keto, there is no post-race beer, although I will say this. (laughs) (laughs) So ignore what I said earlier. Uh, The reality is you've just done something that's pretty intense. Uh, Your body at that point will take that, those carbs from that beer Mm -hmm. uh, and likely just go ahead. The insulin will come out and it will utilize it to start restoring the glycogen that you burned. It's not, it's not going to add that as fat and it's, probably not even really going to take you out of ketosis, um, you know, more or less. And there's no magic to being in ketosis 24 seven. Anyway, Mm -hmm. you're going to go right back into ketosis after you utilize that beer. So, but if we're a keto athlete, what are the things that we should be focused on after the race? Absolutely. Hydration. You got to drink again. And especially with electrolytes, since people who are keto don't normally contain or hold a lot of water in their bodies to begin with. So electrolytes play a larger role in uh, post-run, but also the protein. Again, we just hammered our body and our muscles are needing to be rebuilt again. So protein would be the key, fi- key factor for post-race. Yeah. And I th- I'd say if you did the race fasted, don't just go hit a big meal right after the race. It's something like mm-hmm. to take a little, like almost like a fast bro- break. And so have a little smaller meal, let your body digest that properly. The blood is still not in your stomach. So you're going you to have to let the body prime the body to let it know, mm-hmm. okay, now we need the nutrition. Now we're going to start feeding. And once you have that first small meal, then you'll probably be ready for a larger meal later. Yeah. And either way, whether you're a traditional um, carb uh, burner or keto, you're going to feel hungry. That hunger hormone is going to come out in spades. It's going to be huge. And you don't want to succumb to that right off the bat. You are, you do need to replenish. Don't get me wrong, but you're also... Um, you're also low on hydration. And sometimes when you're thirsty, your body is telling you you're hungry and there's kind of a mixed message in there. So first hydrate, then protein. Great. And again, uh, if you have any questions, if you're a keto adapted uh, person who's wanting to get into this and wants to understand this nutrition a little bit better, and you have a question we didn't answer here today, you can go to the Facebook group at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash group. Uh, and Rachel and I'll be glad to address those questions there. Mm-hmm, for sure. Now that said, before we got ready for this episode, I wanted to try to head off you having any questions. So I asked the question, I asked, mm-hmm. I asked the question before 
um, we, we went live with this. And so there were several really good questions. And I, I want to acknowledge the people that took the time to answer those questions because it made this a better podcast. And I want to thank you for that. Um, the first question came from Frank. And uh, what Frank was asking, uh, well, I'm sorry, the first one was Kevin. Kevin, I'm sorry. Kevin was asking if there's a difference or what the, you know, if we were going to do this, we obviously must be talking about carbs and keto differently. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you've seen, we broke them into two separate sections of this conversation because they are that different. Uh, One strategy will not work for an athlete of the other other ilk. Um, If a carb burner tried to do a fasted, uh, half marathon, probably not going to go very well for them right. uh, versus someone who's trying to take in a lot of carbs during a race who's keto adapted. You're probably not going to like the results either. So mm-hmm. just recognizing, yes, your nutrition is going to be different uh, if you do these. And that's why we structured this conversation this way. Now, the other one was uh, Chris and Jenny had similar questions um, and it was really talking about, um, you know, when we're going to do these longer things, you know, fasted versus, um, what we should be eating, particularly in keto. Mm -hmm. Um, so Rachel, I think we covered that, but why don't you go do a quick recap of, for someone who's looking at a a race, should they do it fasted? Should they look at other nutritional strategies for being in keto? If, if you're keto and you normally run fasted, then I would start race day out fasted because that's what you normally do. If you normally have some sort of a breakfast then um, and you've practiced that in training, then have that same bre- breakfast on race day. It really is largely dependent on how much your stomach can handle. You had mentioned having eggs and bacon not too um, long before one of your, your races. My husband is the same way. He's got an iron gut. So he actually did have eggs and bacon while we were doing one of these endurance things. Uh, we were running a mile every hour and half hour or every half hour. And he had a, a huge plate of bacon and eggs in between in that half hour time period. If I'd have done that, I'd be thrown up and have heartburn for the rest of the day. So, so it's always never try anything new on race day. If it's something you do on a day-to-day basis, you've practiced it in training and it agrees with you, then stick to that strategy. All right. So now I'll talk about Frank. Now, Frank's question was, uh, as far as the best time and macro mixes, for, for training. And, and I mm-hmm. think we kind of got into that. Uh, so without getting into the weeds, mm-hmm. um, I, I think the short answer is pay attention in your training mm-hmm. and you'll answer that question for yourself. Yeah. Before, before you go on a run, you are priming the pump. You just want to top off your energy tanks, your energy levels with whatever food or in hydration that you need to get your body primed and ready to run. And so then it's all about energy. After a run, you want to rebuild the muscles you just burnt um, down in training. And so protein is the, is the muscle builder post-run. So in that case, protein would be more important after a run. All right. And then Dana had the question, is it possible to lose weight while training for an endurance run? Yes, <laughs> but not without a whole lot of caveats. You know, running has been a huge weight loss solution for me after having two kids and had and I gained a lot of weight in preg- pregnancy. I running was one of the key items that helped me lose weight and it has helped me maintain my weight all these years. However, 
Running is um, a unique bird in that um, after a run, your hunger hormone can be really amplified and you can feel super hungry, hangry, you know, all those um, funny adjectives. You just feel crazy hungry and you want to eat all the things. And so if you can, if you succumb to that, then you're not going to lose any weight uh, while you're trying to, to run for a race. But secondly, what's important to note is that um, you need to pay very close attention to how you diet as well as run. Because if you find yourself in a nutritional deficit, then your running is going to suffer and you're not going to have the performance that you were hoping for by losing that weight. And for women in particular, it gets really dangerous because we um, can lose our periods and have a really bad iron deficiency. And there's also uh, something called REDS, which is... Um, gosh, I always get it wrong, reduced energy um, deficiency syndrome or something like that. And it's, it's when you, um, you, you are dieting and you're, you're, you're restricting calories, you're restricting nutrients, and your body just will shut down. It just can't handle that. You can't put it through the ringer on a run without the proper nutrients. So if you're trying to diet and using running as your exercise modality, it's just really important that you pay very careful attention to having nutrient-dense foods, not restricting yourself so much that you can't get the energy you need to perform on a run, and really be very intuitive and listen to what your body is telling you. Yeah, uh, and I would refer you, Dana, to Dr. Ponser's interview that I did. His book, um, you know, basically as we as we look at energy and trying to go into a deficit and how much our body's going to burn from the exercise we do and then how much everything else is going to burn because that's one of the things they didn't count for in the calculation of calories in, calories out was that other processes of your body would actually reduce energy usage to compensate for the energy you're burning when you're doing the runs. And, and like Rachel said, and this was, this is me, I felt like after a long run, I deserved to eat what I wanted to eat. Mm -hmm. And so every long run I ever trained for other than the tough mutter, I gained weight, mm -hmm. the tough mutter, I was in ketosis. So that was a very different animal, uh, to the way that I was fueling. Now, when I was a carb burner, I would gain 10 pounds training for every marathon. So my normal running weight at that point was about 185 pounds, but by race day, I was 195 and I was a Clydesdale and it just never failed. I'd go to the weigh-in. I'm 195 that morning. I'm running as a Clydesdale <laughs> and my legs felt it. So just recognizing running can be a strategy to assist you in losing weight, but mm -hmm. it's not always effective for everybody. If your hunger gets turned on, or if your brain basically gives you this, your entitled feeling, which mine mm -hmm. did, uh, I ate more and I gained weight. So yep. it, Again, it might work. It might not get out that journal and write down what you're eating and how you're feeling and really be careful again about what nutrients you're taking in and what nutrients you're avoiding. And just make sure you have a well-balanced meal and you're getting enough nutrients to run at the same time. It's really important. Yes. And then, um, Anthony asked one of my favorite uh, questions about heavy sweaters. Uh, and we're not <laughs> talking about the wool kind. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about those of us that lose a lot of fluid by sweating. And I'm, I'm, I consider myself a, a heavy sweater 
as well, uh, Anthony. In fact, I, I remember at one point during my journey, I took pictures of the the sweat on the floor underneath the elliptical ellipt- elliptical machine. <laughs> and yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it was one of the sayings, fat crying, um, you know, that, that was one of the things or, you know, so just, yeah, some of us do sweat more and it will impact your hydration equation. It does. And if you, again, line up the nutritional labels for the electrolyte drinks like noon and you can Gatorade and also include Pedialyte because the Pedialyte has a super high concentration of electrolytes. And if you're feeling you might respond better to different concentrations of electrolytes than other from these various drinks. In addition, um, if you're having problems um, with cramping, if you're, if you're leading towards that, um, those feelings of dehydration or hyponatremia that we talked about earlier, if you're feeling some really ill effects, then it would be worth talking to your doctor and seeing if you can get a sweat test to know about how much you're losing in electrolytes when you sweat. So if it's something that's causing you problems, definitely go to a doctor and and check into it. Yeah. And you can actually have your, your sodium and potassium checked with a blood test. So you have a general idea of what your status is, and Mm -hmm. that can go a long way towards letting you know if you're on the low end, like, like I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a heavy sweater, uh, <laughs> who's not made out of wool. Um, yes. <laughs> hey, Rachel, I, I think this was a really good episode. And again, uh, if you have any questions about nutrition and endurance uh, running, or really, this really was applicable to any endurance sport. Uh, but if you have any questions about this, uh, please do come to our Facebook page, 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash group. And Rachel and I will be there to answer any and all of your questions. So thank you for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we discuss working out with your partner. Until then, have a happy and healthy day.